The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, the Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, December 2nd, and that means two things. One, we have a football game this afternoon. Maybe. That's right. The Steelers and Ravens potentially playing at 3.40 p.m. If they play, we'll preview it. If it gets moved before you listen to this, then don't bother checking for the feed, but we'll have the DFS gambling preview in the feed for you there. Our recap feed is in there as well. And... It's Wednesday, so that means it's a Brady Quinn football show. <laughs> What's up, Brady? Not much, man. I, I'm uh, I'm just frustrated right now. I'm frustrated with the way the NFL picks and chooses their spots as far as how to punish teams in regards to COVID and how they've managed it. It's just uh, there's times where I think they've done everything great, and there's times when I feel like uh, they're. <laughs> They're, they're literally being hypocrites. Like the way they've handled it, they're just hypocrisy abounds them. Uh, well, are you referring specifically to what happened with Baltimore and what happened with Denver and how Baltimore got their game pushed back nearly a full week and was allowed to prepare, uh, because of a COVID outbreak, whereas Denver had to go out there and play Kendall Hinton, a practice squad wide receiver, a quarterback? Let me just give you the inside scoop on this. Okay. okay. So Jeff Driscoll tests positive on a Thursday. And he is removed, quarantined, like you would with any other protocol. Now, the other quarterbacks who are in proximity to uh, Jeff Driscoll were tested over the next two days, all negative. Now, it wasn't brought to the attention of the Denver Broncos that they had been in that room, even though they were so they were spaced six feet apart, but not wearing masks. It wasn't brought to their attention until Saturday. It was at that point at which the NFL, and by the way, the NFLPA defended the NFL in this instance, decided to say, nope, they all need to quarantine, quarantine too for contact tracing purposes, even though they had already tested and already been in the facility the past two days and have been negative. So make whatever common sense you can of that. Then what, what happens? Now we've got to sign a practice squad player who at one point in his career in college tried to play quarterback. That didn't work, converted to a wide receiver. But now we're going to try to make him an NFL quarterback in less than 24 hours with no practice time. This is a recipe for disaster and one in which I'm just happy he didn't get hurt. Uh, unfortunately, one of the running backs did get hurt because as you would expect, Will, uh, if you've got a quarterback who's never played before and doesn't showcase the ability to throw the football, what are you most likely going to do? Probably run the football, run. So, so of course, Philip Lindsay ends up having a knee injury, which could be more detrimental to his career than getting COVID because no one's at risk within the group of, of players and athletes that are playing. And so instead of pushing the game back, we force them into a scenario where they've got to play a football game with a guy who's not no experience doing it, and it puts them at an extreme disadvantage. This is the hypocrisy that is the NFL right now, where in one instance, they keep moving a game back for the Baltimore Ravens, but because the Denver Broncos made a mistake, and by the way, Plenty of teams have made this mistake. Plenty of teams have probably done it and just haven't been caught. It's just, it's the Broncos fault. They have a camera in their room that the NFL can spy on their guys to be able to see what they're doing. 
But that's the reality of what took place. And so it's just, it, it's unbelievable that the NFL then kind of covers up their mess by saying, well, we're finding the Saints too, by the way, and we're taking away a draft pick. Like, you could have done the same thing to the Broncos then, if that was the case. Because if you really cared about player safety and health, you wouldn't have put those players in that position on the field. And we got, of course, what exactly what we expected, a blowout by the Saints versus the Broncos. They had no, they had no chance. Very good rant. I, I don't even I don't disagree with any of it. Um, the I I my take my sense of it is that what the NFL was trying to do was make an example of the Broncos. Yeah, because they're a non-playoff team. I, I, I get it, right? I'm but, not saying, but two wrongs doesn't make it right, right? Like like them not wearing masks and then the NFL finding out about it, which you could probably find in any one of the other 31 teams, by the way. But them, them finding out about it and then punishing them in that way, it doesn't make it right to then play the game in the time frame which they did or punish them in the way in which they did. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I think the NFL should have been, should have figured out the NFL's willingness to throw competitive balance and fairness out the window in an extreme fashion like this is pretty bothersome. Like, they didn't have a quarterback. They were so desperate for a quarterback, they asked if an assistant coach could be their quarterback. I had conversations with one of their coaches. Yeah. And I had said to them, look, I will leave right now from L.A. and I will forego doing this game for Fox to come hand the football off all tomorrow. The problem is it's not even possible because anyone who they sign has to quarantine for four days with the protocol. So even in that instance, it wouldn't have worked out. And by the way, uh, I don't know if you've seen the recent test reports from all the quarterbacks that are supposed to be quarantined. And yeah, they're all still negative. All yep. still negative. Yes, they did. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's a situation. And Baltimore, you know, I, I don't know if you should make Baltimore forfeit what you want to do, but Baltimore is now went from playing on Thanksgiving night to playing like, do you feel any sympathy for the Steelers or feel like the Steelers got hosed here? Obviously, Steelers players feel that way. They've made that very public. I have a little, a, a difficult time generating a ton of sympathy for mainly, but only really because they're 10 and 0. You know, like if they were six and four, I'd be like, yeah, they're getting hosed. Ridiculous. I don't really have any sympathy. I mean, I think when we signed up to play this season, like you knew this was a potential outcome, right? Like you're going to be moving games around. You might get an afternoon Wednesday game. Like, okay, great. By the way, as a fan, all for it, okay? I could have football every single day. I've said this to you before. I don't know why, especially this year, they don't experiment with the schedule and throw games on every single day of the week, especially now moving forward, just so we can get all these in because it seems like that's the NFL's prerogative. So if that's the case, yeah, I'm all for it. Wednesday, Tuesday, whenever you want to throw in a game outside of the normal days. Friday, we've got one of those coming up. Uh, I am all for it at this point in time in the season just so we get in some games and we get some football. Uh, but look, the reality is, uh, with Baltimore, it's, it's a little different only because they've had an outbreak. I mean, it's been a large group of players of which that have gotten it. They're doing their best to try to get a control over it. So I think Pittsburgh should be understanding, even though, you know, there's a staff member who wasn't doing the right thing. It's not the player's fault, you know? So those, you know, you, at some point, you've got to feel some sympathy for even the guys who are playing for the Ravens. Um, and then that, in this instance, I, I don't feel bad for the Steelers. Uh, I think they've got some additional rest. They've got some additional time to prepare. They're probably going to win this game if it is played, just because you've got a you've got a, a number of backups who are going to be playing in their place, and it's not like they can afford to do that, given how good the Steelers have played this year and how close the last game was. So, 
Uh, I, I just, I don't really, I don't know if sympathy is the right term. I think in regards to the rest of their schedule being moved around, like you already signed up for this before week one. Like this is when you decided to come back and play, we all should have realized that for the teams where there's meaningful games right now, they're going to do the best they can to get them in to, to ensure that the seating is right, but in both the AFC and the NFC. Yeah. I, look, it's a mess. By the way, we had a uh, YouTube, uh, no, a uh, Apple podcast uh, review. Brady Quinn's ratings and days. He left a five-star review, though, so that's good. Brady says the NFL should experiment with certain days are wrong, LOL. He forgot people go to church and have school, question mark. Games should be Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday with no game going later than 6.30 p.m. Central Time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, I, I appreciate the five-star review, always. Um, I, I will say that th- those aren't any of the current games. Like, all the games start at 8.30 p.m. Right. They're, they're not on Tuesday. Right. They? Like, like we've got games on Monday and Tuesday, which are school nights, and we have games at that hour. We're going to church on Tuesday. Well, and, but I'm just saying just from the, from the school standpoint, we do already have games on Monday and Tuesday, and they are late, so that's like a school night. Sunday night leads into a school day. And in regards to Sunday, like, there's church services all throughout Sunday. Like, most people assume you go in the morning, but – yeah, uh, if you're on the West Coast, um, what's wh- when are you when are you going to church then? You get up like really early because otherwise, that game on the West Coast, that one o'clock start, newsflash, it's uh, it's at ten a.m. where a lot of church services are. So, uh, look, I, I go to church on the West Coast. People in California don't go to church. They're they're, they're hippie heathens. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go there. I'm just kidding. I'm I'll kidding. just say this. Uh, yeah, apparently this individual has left out the entire fact that those that do go to church on the West Coast or on the Pacific time zone, uh, apparently like football already interrupts that schedule for them and they're 100% okay with it. So, Sounds incredible. uh, yeah, I, I would say, uh, look, maybe, maybe I'm in the minority as far as winning football all the time, but here's the deal. I love Maxion on Tuesday nights or Wednesdays when they have it. You know what I'm saying? Like I love that weekday football that we get from college football and they've kind of owned and dominated that. I think the NFL could have a game and spread them out a little bit and just, you know, see what happens. See what happens with the ratings. I love the idea of watching a 345 uh, PM Eastern Steelers Ravens game. It sounds incredible. Now right. I know that the NFL wasn't like, we're going to be crazy. We're going 340 PM. They got dunked on murdered by a giant Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center because that's more important to NBC. Buble, man. It's Michael Buble. You don't, you don't step to Buble. I think he's going to be there, but you don't step to him and expect to get better ratings. All right. He's a second coming of Sinatra. If that's even a thing. All right. We're talking about Buble, bro. I thought you were going to call, say a different B word at the end of there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've already been told I, someone ratted on me. If you can believe this will. So I've got to be careful. <laughs> exactly. Crap on the planet. Uh, I do love that you told Prisco and Jamie that I knocked you out. Uh, I, look, I'm not, I never said who did. I just said there was someone <laughs> on our network that happened to complain to some people. So and it was, it was after the fact. That was the crazy thing. So like, um, it's after the fact. So it wasn't me. I can tell you that. So uh, what was I going to say? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know. I forgot. I almost forgot. So it's Christmas. It's December 1st as we're recording this. And uh, my son, Robbie, who's six and a half, loves, loves Christmas, thinks it's awesome. Like any kid. Um, yeah. I love Christmas. for Christmas decorations. But he wouldn't let us decorate. He can't get a tree. Can't decorate until December. Very right. adamant about that. Not as soon as Thanksgiving's over, December 1st. Right. So he and my, he and AK, my wife, um, started putting up some t- Christmas decorations. And I just got a little, while we're ranting and raving, the mantle garland right below where the TV sits. 
drives me nuts all month long from now December 1st until January 1st. There are going to be sporting events nonstop from like noon until 11 p.m. And I can't see the damn bottom line and I can't even see the scoreboard most of the time because this garland is sitting up there with the lights glowing, messing up the color of the TV, messing up the picture, covering up the scoreboard. It drives me insane, Brady. At least three times in the month of December, my wife wakes up and the garland has been pulled down. It's just laying on the ground, thrown there in anger because I can't see the damn scoreboard. It drives me crazy. And the garland is up today. Oh, I hate it so much. Sorry. <laughs> Can I just uh, say this? You, you, this is what I love about like America, or at least people in America, right? We we are so like we're like oh, we're all about certain things until we're not, right? Like people are like, oh, I'm all into climate change, man. I'm like, I'm trying to lessen my my carbon footprint. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, I saw your house the other day, man. You lit that thing up with a bunch of Christmas lights. That's gonna be on for the next month. Like, oh. <laughs> That's, uh, that's really good for, you know, the energy bill and the environment and, oh, you've got a, a coal burning power plant or you've got oh, like, that's a 62 foot plastic Santa. Oh yeah. That's yeah. great for the environment. I'm sure that that was made with sustainable materials and definitely didn't kill it or choke out a dolphin. Hey, wh- what are you doing with that after the fact? Oh, we just throw it away. You just get it again next year, right? Cause they're so cheap. I'm like, oh, that's good for the environment. I'm sure that's going somewhere in some landfill. I just, it's just crazy to me how there's like a lot of people like, Oh no, of course, man, I'm all about that. Uh, I drive an electric car. You know, I make sure I try to walk. I'm like, but when Christmas comes, we go all out. Yeah. We just leave those lights on for the next 31 days. Cause usually we take it right into new year's. We don't take them down until after new year's. What about wrapping paper? The entire construct of wrapping paper. You just, you take all this, you cut down a bunch of trees right? and you print up some, Christmas stuff on it. You're putting it around a box that's already kind of disguising whatever it is that's in there. And it's also made of a bunch of trees. And then it sits around the box for like 72 hours and then you throw all the crap away. It's right. Crazy. It's, it's, it's just the love of, of, you know, again, that's kind of been like the, the word of the night, at least in doing this, but it doesn't get any worse though than the 49ers and the position that they're in right now. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. What about them? Um, well, well, I mean, let's just first look at it from this standpoint. Okay. There's, let's have a little, more, there's way more cases in Arizona than California. Let's, let's have a little Q&A. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Will, answer this for me. Uh, is anyone at risk of getting COVID in the stadium there in Santa Clara for 49er home games? Uh, if there are no fans in the stands? No. Right. Which last time I checked, not only are there not fans in the stands, even their broadcasters, have to wear masks. But the, I believe that the broadcasters, that was sort of misconstrued. I think the broadcasters were, man, were wearing masks in those games for air quality, not for COVID reasons. Right. Now, that would only be true if you have actually ever called a game in the state of California and been in a booth, which I have. Okay. And unfortunately, even in L.A. County, they ask you to wear a mask up until the very moment that you go on live air. But you're more than welcome to wear a mask while on live air. Okay. So. Oh, so because they- I, and it is COVID related. I, yes. I seemingly don't know. Okay. Yes, it is. It is COVID related. We can talk about air quality, anything else we want. You go up. Uh, you go to the state of California right now, and it is just unbelievable. And the things that they're asking a lot of their residents to do, and yet, as we've seen, like Gavin Newsom doesn't even abide by these own rules. But I digress. I don't want to get off track here. Okay. This is about a team. It's already going to be edited down to like a three-minute discussion of Carson Wentz at, at like at the end of it. This is about a team moving. Okay. <laughs> 
from a place where they have no fans at the stadium. So there's really no risk of anyone getting or spreading COVID, right? With the exception of the players who are basically quarantined during the season away from society as it is. In fact, some of these players, some of these coaches, Will, they are quarantined for their family. Like they've already done that this year where they're either sleeping in a separate part of the house or some of them got a hotel or renting a separate place. Like that is a, that's a factual thing. That is real. They're taking it that seriously where they don't want to be, you know, positive and miss time or miss games. And so they're doing that. So they're already taking and going these lengths to not get COVID so they can be there and help out their football team win games. And then now you have Santa Clara County saying, Oh, no, 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 no. Because we're worried about the spread of the coronavirus in a stadium that's not going to have fans anyway, hasn't all year, and just because you're having a game there. It is absolutely asinine. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And so now we're asking them, as you pointed out, to move to a place in Arizona where they've got probably more cases per capita. Uh, no, no, absolutely have more cases. And so, and so guess what? Like now they've got to move their family potentially if they want to do that. If not, now they've got to find a new place to stay and live. And, and technically, you'd say it's not even as healthy of an environment for them. So it's like a reverse bubble, basically. This is where you'd it's hope bubbly, the NFL. It's like, it's like it's like locking them out of their bubble. This is where you'd hope the NFL would step in and say, "Okay, like, can we stop the crazy train for a second? Can you guys actually think logically about this and what exactly you're asking them to do and how this makes any sense logically?" So, look, I'm sorry. Like, I think we all take COVID seriously. We all understand the potential health risks and everything involved. I just there's there's no potential risk of the the body at large in Santa Clara County of getting COVID when there's not even people who are allowed to be at the stadium. I mean, they can't congregate. They can't do all of that. There's a stay-at-home order. What are we talking about right now? It's unbelievable to me some of the stuff and how these players have been impacted. So, look. It, it, I'll just say this. Don't bet against the 49ers though. Who knows? Shanahan's, you know, he's optimistic he'll get back Garoppolo and Kittle. They don't even need Garoppolo necessarily to win games, right? We saw Mullins have a, have a good enough performance versus the Rams this past week to win. That's just one group that I'm not betting against because of Lynch and Shanahan and the culture they've built and the, and the job they do coaching. So it's unfortunate for them. And like, I'm, I'm, as they're already stressed as it is, you know, given their family and COVID and everything else. This only makes it that much worse. But again, that's, uh, that's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out at all. I mean, we yeah. we talked about it on the podcast. I, we think I think they if I were picking wild cards right now, I might pick them given the schedule and the way the teams are playing and how I think that uh, the Rams match up with the Cardinals. Okay, we're gonna take a break. Unless you want to chime in on that. No, yeah, I think you're right. I, I would not count anyone out in that division. Obviously, Seattle leading it, but still, the rest I, I think they're all good enough to be a, a potential playoff team. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Brady will solve the the conundrum that is Carson Wentz. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, 
that Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so maybe you won't solve Carson Wentz, but you can at least talk about Carson Wentz. If if you were – it's pie season, right? It's a time of year where people are carving up pies, slicing them up. Some people – like you, you're an athlete. You know, you probably pound the calories. I bet you take a decent slice of pie. I, I hate pie, but go ahead. Okay. Thank you for crapping on my, <laughs> my <laughs> intro here. Uh, look, I'm not an athlete, but I do love pie. I'm a dork. I actually thought when you said pie, when you say oh, it's pie day, I was like, oh, March 14th. I was like 314, like 3.14. I literally started thinking that, like the dorkier side of myself started to break in for a second. Well, I'm a, I'm a pie fan. I, I like, I like, I like all kinds. You probably of things. like apple. That is that your favorite? Not even close. What pecan? No. Pumpkin. Love pumpkin. Is that your best? I think no. Um, I don't know. If I, I, if I love I, a key lime. I love a good key lime. That doesn't count. That's not even a holiday pie. That's like what you get when you're in Key West or something. What do you call? Is it called a? It's called key lime cake. No, it's called key lime pie. That counts. You're not eating key lime pie in the holidays. Okay. I had some key lime pie on you Christmas. Consider cheesecake to be cake? No, I had, key lime pie is a pie. I'm just saying key lime pie is close to a cheesecake. And so if you're gonna call it cheesecake, cheesecake, no, it's not. It has a graham cracker crust. What are you talking about? So get key lime pie. If you use a pie crust and you fill it, then it's you put any kind of crust you want on a key lime pie. What? Yeah, you use a pie crust for key lime pie. I'm just saying you can put any type of crust. All right, for for if you're talking about cheesecake. Or if you're looking at a key lime pie, you can do either crust you want on them. Um, I have a hard disagree with you here. Uh, well, I want to jump in. I just, I just feel like obligated to hop in here. I'm, I'm with Brady. I've never heard anybody in a pie conversation like, oh, list your top five pies. Like no one I've ever heard say key lime pie. What (laughs) traditional pie, dude? Like step off, go pick another one. If you said pumpkin, I'm with you. It makes sense. I had pumpkin and key lime at at Thanksgiving. Okay, look, if I was going to like name one pie that I like, it'd be pumpkin. Like that's the one that I think is probably everyone's go-to. Pecan for me is like the next one. Do you say pecan or pecan? Pecan. You say pecan. Holy cow, you're southern. I mean, my gosh. Pecan. Pecan. We got a pecan pie over here. Um, okay. All right, look, this is, we haven't talked about anything football related on this podcast. <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. I don't mind that. Um, I, I'm a big Boston cream pie fan. What is that? Yeah, like the chocolate and, uh, like the mousse on the top. Sounds good. I like it's a good chocolate pie, like a, like a, or a chess pie. Chess pie. Um, that's, that's going in a different direction. Chess pie? Yeah. Uh, I didn't say cream pie. I said chess pie. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, moving along to Carson Wentz. Is, oh, the pie. That's Jesus. That's what it was. Sheesh. Excuse me. That's what it was. Um, if you took a pie and you were cutting it up into bigger pieces, smaller pieces, and you were trying to cut up 
a blame pie for the yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you cut that pie up in terms of what we're pinning Carson Wentz's regression, his failures on? Is it the weapons? Is it the offensive line? Is it Wentz himself? Is it Doug Peterson's play calling? Is it all of it that comes together to make the pie? Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's a combination of things. I mean, quarterback play always is. You know, we act like, you know, even the best, like Patrick Mahomes. Like, can he make some of these throws if he's not throwing a Tyreek Hill? I mean, some of the routes Tyreek Hill runs are just because of his speed and his ability to do that. Like, there's not many guys who can do that. So um, when you look at the fact that I think Alshon Jeffrey got his, what, first completion this past week? What are we, in week 12? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it was from Jalen Hurts. Right. It wasn't even, it wasn't even Wentz. Like he's one of your guys. He's not even out there, right? You're relying on a rookie and Jalen Rager who's been there, not even for the entire season, but for a good portion of it. And he hasn't had an off season. You know, they didn't have preseason games. Like this is a team that had, a, you know, people coming back from injury. Um, they had changes in that regard. And I think it's hard to be able to get on the same page and play at a high level. And, and Wentz isn't the only example of that. There's callous examples. I just think he's the one that looks like he's regressed the most. But this has also been a team that's had a ton of injuries. So, look, if you were going to divide up this pie, okay, I would say 50% goes to Wentz, right? Like, he puts his name on it. He's the one that's out there at the end of the day making some of these decisions. And I think what bothers me the most about it is he's just he's just made bad decision after bad decision. And it seems like when there's that opportunity for him to then, okay, scramble, get down, or just scramble out and make a play – like he makes the worst possible decision at times in those moments. And so, you know, 50% is definitely on him, whether it's, you know, a mechanical thing, a mental thing. You know, personally, he's got a little longer kind of wind up with this throw. Um, but traditionally he's had a pretty short front stride. So it's not like he's overstriding. It's not like he's, he's blocking off, you know, his body with it, with the step as far as trying to throw across his body or something like that. Um, and so it's hard to get a sense on like what would be the inaccuracies that are coming with him struggling throwing the football. The, the the biggest thing to me, and I've said this, is his decision making. There's just times where he's throwing footballs into coverage and you're going, what are you looking at? Like, are you trying to make something happen? Or are are you not seeing the field well? Is that an issue? So there's a lot of there's a lot of things re- regarding just his overall decision making, and especially in you know crucial moments. The protection to me has been the other thing. That not a not a consistent running game. And then the wide receivers being banged up. And then finally, Peterson. Like, I think the play calling at times hasn't been great. Been uh, it, seems, it seems like it's lost its luster, right? Which I'll throw this at you, by the way. Frank Wright? No, no, no. Um, we know sometimes we, like, see coaches who come from, like, a certain tree and we're like, oh, man, they're wizards of this, they're that. Remember when we were talking about, like, Andy Reid disciples, Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy? Remember we were talking about that? Yep. How's that looking right now? Not great, Bob. No, and, and that's where, like, for, so, for, like, how's this going to impact Eric Bieniemy? Like, that's one interesting thought. I'm like, everyone keeps talking about him being, like, the next candidate that's going to leave. Like, well, is he? Like, or is Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy actually hurting Bieniemy's case? Because now we've seen plenty of examples where we could talk about Eric Bieniemy being involved in play all we want in Kansas City. At the end of the day, all these guys who've moved on from Andy Reid have struggled to be, recreate that same offense. Now, granted, you, if you don't have Mahomes, who's a generational talent, that's where that's like where it starts and ends pretty much. And then the other thing is like the pieces, right? Like Hill and Kelsey and the complimentary pieces. I mean, Watkins in some places would be a number one. So it's just, you know, it's hard to recreate. Be the best receiver on the Eagles and the second best receiver on the Bears easily. And he's yeah. like the fifth guy in Kansas City. Right. Like he's, I don't want to say an afterthought because I think he's, he's a good player. 
but they're, they're, they're that talented where you kind of look at them that way. So it's, you know, I, I do not to digress. Like I do wonder like how that's going to impact the enemy. And I do wonder, like, I think it's a fair question. No, I mean, I, and I, it's one of those things too, where you don't want to, because Eric Bieniemy, I do think has probably been hosed by the fact that he is a running, comes from a running back, uh, background and is, and is black. I mean, like, I think that if he were a white former quarterback who was an offensive coordinator for Andy Reid, he would have had, he would have gotten a job last year. I, like, I, I just, I, I firmly believe that. I'm not saying that there's some vast conspiracy to avoid giving Eric Bieniemy a job. I just think that, you know, that the idea of hiring these bright young former quarterback offensive minds was so nuclear for a while that he would have gotten a job in that spot. No. And, and, and again, it kind of is what it is like in regards to, you know, are you hiring, are are you hiring to hire the best possible person regardless of everything else? You know, and, and, and the other thing is not to get off on another tangent, but like, as you look at the lions and who now have to hire a new head coach and obviously the Texans do like, like this is what people overlook sometimes when you're looking for that next candidate they're either looking for the opposite of what they just had, right? Yeah. Like we, and we tend to do that as people. Like we, we go on dates and it's, hey, I was, it's my, my ex girlfriend theory. Right. I want blonde. Now you want a brunette, like it, or vice versa, whatever, whatever the case may be. You date so, a crazy blonde. You're going to probably date like a calm, like brunette, like at the, the follow up. Right. It's a follow up. Yeah. And so the problem with that is a, you're, you're getting them for the wrong reason because if really, if they're great at offense or great at defense, that's like one third of schematically what you need, right? And so they better be able to hire staff and they better be able to hire staff that's equivalent to them as far as what they're doing schematically. But beyond that, like people lose sight of, most teams are about 23, 24 years old as their average age. That's not that far removed from college. Like we act like you can't have a guy that's just a good motivator, a good leader, a good manager of people, whether that's on your staff or your team. I mean, you look at some, you look at some of the best head coaches right now. They don't call plays. They manage and they oversee everything. John Harbaugh, Pete Carroll. Belichick, Harbaugh, Pete Carroll. I mean, you know, there's, there's plenty of examples of that. Like, yeah, they're obviously going to have say at times on things. Like that comes with the territory. Every head coach that doesn't call plays will tell you fourth down, when to run a fake, certain things that are going on, or if they see something, they chime in. That's part of it. But, you know, by and large, they're managing everyone. And so, I, my, my whole thing is like, whoever the next head coach is, when they start looking for it, he better be able to have the respect and he better be able to be real with the players in that locker room. Cause that's the one thing that I think you'll find when you walk into a locker room or you walk into a team meeting room is players can smell BS. Like they can smell if it's not genuine, if it's not real and they aren't buying it. And so, you know, more often than not, I, I think they, they like, and this again relates back to whether it's B enemy or whoever else. You know, someone would look at as hiring. They need to be themselves. They need to be real. And they can't be pitching themselves as like, Hey, I'm an Andy Reid disciple. I'm going to bring this offense. No, dude. Like you, you need to be bringing who you are and how you are going to go win a Super Bowl. How are you going to bring the pieces on this team around? Like there's not enough of that anymore in the NFL. Pete, like Pete Prisco, for example, would say, well, they don't need that. They don't need motivation. He wouldn't know. And then this isn't like bringing out the playing card. It's just the fact that like the league's different than what it was 20 years ago. Right. The average age is way lower than what it was because of the new CBA and the fact that you, the teams are cheap and they're trying to use that it, to their advantage. It's cheap. It's that they're trying to use it to advantage. You know what else it is? You have a different generation. Like this group in this generation was brought up differently. They've been coached differently. They haven't been coached as hard. And so you better understand how to, how to communicate with them, how to motivate them because that's going to be what's most important. 
You know, it's not, it's not what, like, I think a lot of the older generation is accustomed to yeah, in the media and all that. Well, I'm just saying, like, that's the reality of it. So, well, Pete, uh-huh. you know, Pete also does this thing where, you know, we're talking about, like, oh, look, he's, he's playing his old team. You know, like, he, yeah, he's going to be pumped up for that. He's like, do you think that matters? Do you think they care about that? I'm like, hell yeah, they care about that. Like, you're well, telling and me, the, like, and the reality is, is like, you know, think about it in a game. Okay. Think about it this way. If a guy gave you a cheap shot, or for example, I'm trying to think, Tyreek Hill and the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I can't remember who exactly it was from the secondary for Tampa, but they got a little chippy. And you could see Tyreek Hill on the side, like sitting there, like barking at him as the refs are holding him back and all that. And as he ran back to the huddle, he was like, no, 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 stay me and like come my, like he was literally trying to tell Mahomes, like, I'm not moving. I want to be lined up across from him. I don't care where you want to put me. I'm lining up across from him. I want to go at him. That happens all the time. Right. And so in that moment, is is he amped up a little bit more than he normally would be? Of course. Like, it's like saying, like, when we get triggered with different things. DK Metcalf literally said after the game that Jim Schwartz came up to him and was like, you're no Megatron. Or, like, he, maybe he didn't, maybe Jim Schwartz was like, you know, I coached Calvin Johnson and, you know, you're not that, but you're, you know, you, you remind me a little bit of him or something like that. But all DK heard was you're no Megatron and then probably proceeded to throw up a career high receiving yards on the team that passed over him multiple times. A to take JJ Arcega Whiteside and B, the guy that, you know, it's why Michael Jordan needed to constantly right. keep things up in his head. So he would have that additional motivation. He would make and- things up that. And I took that personally. He said it on the documentary. It's a meme. And Pete's like, they don't care about that. If you need that to be motivated, maybe you're not great in the first place. He's like, no, dude, that's not how that works. You The reality is, one, not everyone's self-motivated. Some people need, whether it's artificial motivation or someone else to motivate them, right? That's why there's this whole career called personal trainers. If everyone could get their fat ass up off the couch, stop eating potato <laughs> chips, and go work out and have a six-pack, they probably would, right? There wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be any need for personal fitness trainers, right? But we have those because they can't. Um, and so the reality is, yeah, there's all sorts of little things that motivate you like that, and you have a chip on your shoulder for, and whether they whether they're real or not, you know, but. Anyway, I feel like we got on a huge tangent there. I mean, maybe that's something for Carson Wentz, you know, because he's a paid guy. And, you know, people are looking at, all oh, they drafted Jalen Hurts. You know, how are they going to use him? Is that like motivation? The reality is, you know, they probably fell into that pick where they loved him so much as a prospect. They're like, we can't pass up on him because, A, we know our quarterback's injury prone, so we need to have someone we feel good about. B, we could use him in like some other type of role where he gives us a different dimension. And then see, like, what happens if things don't work out with Wentz? You know, maybe we've got a guy we like that can develop over time and be that guy in the future. So, you know, I, I don't see Jalen Hurts being the guy at any point in time this season outside of maybe starting to get some experience for the Eagles to see what they have in him. Because because the reality is, well, they're not going to have probably a preseason next year. And so he's going to be missing two preseasons potentially, right? I'm just throwing this out there. Next year? I don't know. I'm just saying that it's, it's there's speculation that there couldn't be a preseason or they could have a cut down off season next year. And sure. so, but so going back to this, he's now missed two off seasons if that's the case. And so you got to wonder, you know, how much that impedes his growth. And if, if they're, if they're saying to themselves, if we're out of it, which they're not, and that's probably the biggest issue is they're going to be in it until the end. Uh, would it be willing to, you know, have him play a little bit and start just to see what you have in him and have him get some of those live reps. Do you think I, I floated this theory on a radio show today? Um, do you think it's possible that the Eagles would be better off not being in the playoff hunt for Carson Wentz's frame of mind? Like yeah, I, I've heard people speculate about that. I think Dan Patrick talked about that today a little bit. Like, okay, I didn't, I didn't hear him say it. If, if they weren't, would you know? 
would they it'd be better off to put him on the bench, start Jalen Hurts? Not that he's the future, but just allow him to kind of clear his headspace and all that and just kind of start anew. I mean, look, this year has impacted everyone in different ways. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of external pressures outside of the actual job itself, but then now the job itself changes every day. I mean, you get some teams that can't go to the facility, right? Now there's a mandate this past week that couldn't go on Mondays and Tuesdays. So the, the truth of the matter is like, all right, I mean, they've had to do meetings and installs via Zoom. You know, the, the whole entire season's been thrown up in the air. So, you know, for guys who are really regimented and guys who are who understand their process and they they really have to go through this, this certain habits that they go through in order to be successful, they don't have that right now. Right. Um, are, we being, are, we, are we being unfair to Carson Wentz given the circumstances? Because a lot of guys, like, and this is obviously different, but because he's Bill Belichick, but. Bill Belichick is getting a pass. Yeah, it's a pandemic. Yeah, he's Bill Belichick. A lot of people who aren't having success this year are being sort of given a pass because it's a pandemic. Carson Wentz isn't getting that pass. No, I mean, and and it's in part because like he didn't win the Super Bowl. Nick Foles did, and and so had he won that Super Bowl, yeah, maybe we'd be giving him a pass. We're like, well, we know he's capable of. He was a Super Bowl MVP, but that wasn't him. That was Foles. So, you know, probably for to some degree. Um, I, and I think this year, like, it's interesting. Like, I think if you, you look at it two ways, like either the cream has risen to the top because of everything that teams have been thrown out there and the best have been able to overcome it. Like if we said the top four teams right now that you could trust, meaning like any given Sunday, you bet on them to win Kansas city, right? Pittsburgh, New Orleans. And I'd probably say green Bay, even though there's a couple games from there you go, oh, I don't know about that, but probably green Bay, right? And so, yeah, maybe it has a lot to do with who the quarterback is, even though the Saints have won the past two weeks without, you know, Drew Brees. They won last year without Drew Brees. Um, you know, those four teams I think you can bet on. And those are the four teams that I, I would, I would say they've probably had the least amount of change or turnover. And I, I think it helped them kind of rise to the top and, and, you know, differentiate themselves from everyone else this year. I think some of the teams that have had a lot of change, they've struggled, you know, or, or they've, you know, like for example, Trubisky and Foles. Like that was set up to be a disaster from the get-go. Sure. I mean, you, you literally had a quarterback competition. And I always say like quarterback competitions are great, but the reality is you're really not preparing either guy to be the starter. And so in, in a season where you don't have an offseason, you don't have preseason games, it's like you're already cut down. You might as well make Trubisky the guy until he's not and yep. then let Foles go in there and then prepare him for the rest of the season until he's not. You know, they, they literally found them, themselves kind of in this like halfway in between. They benched Trubisky early. Now he's back in there again. It's like, well, yeah, no crap. Like, what do you think was going to happen? I, I sort of thought that what they did was purposely like set up, like if they found the E, the quarterback most likely not to steal Mitch Trubisky's job. Sure. No, like, we, we talked about this a while ago, right? Yeah. He, he was the safest guy to come in who has been a great backup. He's a great locker room guy. He's a good guy, but he's also had success. So he's kind of got that to him. He knows Nagy's system and all that, right? He'd been with Laser before, right? So you've got all those things where it makes sense from every perspective. And, and you also know that, like, all right, like Trubisky, and, and this is what this is flat out what a, a player had said to me. He looked better in camp. Like, they wanted Foles to be the guy. Like, you could tell they wanted to. But Trubisky looked better in camp. Which is... Damn it. Obviously. Well, so they had to give him the job. And then once they did, as soon as they could, they pulled the rug from out underneath them and they put in Foles. And then, then they're like, Oh, like, this isn't working. Well, yeah, no crap. Cause your offense isn't any good, you know? And, and now Nagy's kind of pointing the finger at, I guess, everyone at this point, which 
you know, it, it's like, uh, I heard the age old adage, you know, like when the sick, the, the ship is sinking, it's like you do one of three things. You either grab a pickaxe, you help dig more holes to help things go down faster. <laughs> you grab, you grab a life vest, you know, to, to just jump off overboard and save yourself. Or you stay on that ship and you try to figure out a way to make that thing float so you hit land. Yeah. And I feel like right now there's not a lot of that going on in Chicago. No, there sure isn't. Uh, okay. Very quickly, the draft, the, uh, the Jets look likely to get the number one pick, right? Yeah. The Jaguars, I suppose, could catch them, but they actually look competent. The Jets don't look like they're stealing it. They have, the Jets have the Raiders, although I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Raiders this week. The yeah, Raiders. I mean, look, the Jets will win, I think, one game. But that still doesn't put them in, you know. Right. Well, the Jaguars, yeah. Jaguars have the Vikings, Titans, Ravens, Bears, and Colts. They could win no games remaining, so we'll have to see how that ends up going. Uh, what do you think about the quarterback situation right now as it relates to these college kids how many do you think at this moment we would see in the first round? Obviously, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Maybe, obviously, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. I think you've, you're have you definitely going to see three. Like, I would imagine the prop bet's probably at, what, three and a half at this point? That's probably about right. I don't think it's even out, but that, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, and, and the reason being is you know Trevor Lawrence slam dunk number one. He's a generational prospect. Yeah. Um, so whether it's the Jets or if he pulls an Eli and tries to go somewhere else, so be it. Uh, but he's going number one. Number two is where it gets tricky for me. Like coming into the year, I saw a little bit of Zach Wilson last year. I remember him being like really efficient, really accurate. And I was like, all right, like you know, this guy could, this guy could maybe, you know, be someone, you know, we'll see second, third round guy. Watch him this year though. I mean, just the way he can kind of create a little bit too. He's got an athlete. He's got good size. He's the one that I think could end up stealing the show. Like he's the one that could end up being the guy that ends up being number two taken overall. And in part because, you know, as, as wow, stats as fields put up last year you know just watching him this year I, I there's still some things that are missing in his game like he's accurate he's got a strong arm he oozes with talent he's big he's athletic like he's a smart kid he's a good kid like he checks all the boxes it's just like something for me isn't like when i watch him there's a little bit of like a disconnect where i feel like he has a hard time getting through a progression you know, and, and he struggled versus Indiana. Like I sat there and watched that. I was going, holy cow. Like if you think this is tough, wait till you get to the NFL. Right. Cause that's really the only team outside of Clemson where he also played bad last year. Is you know, it, isn't he terrible against the blitz? Well, then that's the thing is like who blitzes a lot? Well, Clemson did. That didn't work out well. Who else blitzes a lot? Well, yeah. and Indiana. Yeah. That didn't work out well. And, and go back to this Wisconsin the second time around in the Big Ten championship game last year. Look at his first half stats. They weren't great. I mean, he was scrambling around, throwing the football away, couldn't find anyone. Jim Leonard was mixing up coverage, mixing up pressure. He struggled. And it wasn't until they found some ways of, like, moving the pocket, running the football, and you kind of forgot that he was struggling like that in the first half. But, like, my whole thing with him is, like, I just – look, there's a reason why you ended up at Ohio State. You know, clearly, like, when you looked at what Jake Fromm was, who held off Jacob Eason and held off Justin Fields, even though both have more talent than Jake Fromm ever did, it's because of the way he processed. Like, he knew where to go with the football. He might have been limited physically, but he knew how to go through his progressions to get rid of the football. And so now you're looking at fields and you're going, all right, like I, I can see why there's like some, you know, a little bit of like limitations with some of that. Um, and it hasn't really developed as much as I, th- I thought it would. Now, granted, he throws a great ball. He's got a rocket arm. He'll probably run a four, five, oh, something like that. I mean, he's really fast. He's big and there is that upside. So I could see either one, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields going two. It just depends on what an NFL team is looking for and what they value most. And then after that, Trey Lance is probably the biggest question mark in my mind. You know, one great season, 
Um, I think he reminds me a little bit of Dak Prescott, like when I watch him play. Um, but only one game this year and, you know, at a lower level. So I don't know how that's going to impact teams and how they evaluate him and, and what they think of his, his skill set and ability. You know, Mac Jones is another one that I think Ryan Wilson has put up as far as a first round quarterback. I, I don't see it. And that's not a knock on him. You know, he's accurate. He's smart, but like he throws from a clean pocket. He's throwing to great wide receivers. He's got a running game. He's got a defense that's arguably one of the best in the country. Like, I don't know. I, I just, there's, I don't quite see it as much. Um, I can see him going the second round, third round, something like that. But in comparison to the other guys, um, I don't, I don't see that like extraordinary skill. Like I could give you an example of with every single one of the other four I mentioned. And it's the thing with Mac Jones is, I mean, you, you said it, but it, it's like when you go to the NFL, you're not going to have everything around you that Alabama has. Yeah, the, 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 it's always funny when people are like, "Well, they're playing the SEC, you know. They got like eight guys who go, eight guys who are going to the NFL, you know. And that's it's tough. They're prepared. I'm like, well, yeah. When you get the NFL, everyone is is playing in the NFL. Yeah, like, it's, like, it's weird, you know. Like you think eight guys is a lot. Well, in the NFL, hundred percent of the guys are in the NFL. They're all in the NFL. Um, but no, I mean, <laughs> that's a good point. No, there's there, there's like there's something too. Like when you watch them, you're going like, okay, like they brought a blitz, you got the ball out quick, everyone's you know, scared shitless of, of Devontae Smith. So yeah, we have to probably bleep that out. But like, we're, we're going to give him, we're going to give him a cushion, you know, or yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, it, it's, and he's, a, he's a hard evaluation for me in that respect. Now I, I, I did a, a quarterback camp when he was in high school. Uh, he's competitive. He's smart. He's everything you look for. Like he's the next one that I think he checks all the boxes. It's just, he doesn't have the arm strength, you know, for example, or athleticism of, of Lawrence or Fields. Uh, or even, you know, a, a guy like Zach Wilson, they have similar arm strength, maybe, but I think Wilson's got a lot more mobility and can create and all that. Like Mac Jones would be better suited 20 years ago in just a drop back passing league, but that's not what the NFL is anymore. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. What a great show. We talked about wrapping paper, carbon footprints, Mac Jones, Carson Wentz, pie. What was that mantle? What do you call, what do you call the thing on the mantle that you're going to rip down? Garland. Garland. That's right. Get that garland out of here. Um, uh, your, your cuss word reminded me that we had, uh, like Garrett Blunt on, um, the Twitch show, the fantasy football today show on Sundays. We do the game watch. That mofo is hilarious. Yeah. He's a funny dude. Um, and he dropped an F bomb like midway through the Azers face. Azers was like, ah, it's like, it's Twitch. Azer, relax, man. Yeah. Um, it happens, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, wait. Diva says he's going to allow. Cursing on the Brady Quinn football show. <laughs> Hell yeah. Are, are your, uh, how old are your, your girls? Four, two, and right, so, not, right. so Robbie is six and a half. He'll be, he's basically seven. He'll be seven in, yeah. in January. Um, you gotta be careful. What's that? You gotta be careful what you say. Very impressionable. I mean, even my four year old. He's sort of into bad words right now. In fact, Garrett Blunt, he comes up here and, um, I was like, he's like, pokes his head on the screen. He's like, and I'm like, all right, would you like to say hello? I was like, you say hello to Mr. LeGarrett. He goes, hello, Mr. Poop Garrett. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? And he's also like learned some words on YouTube. We've had to sort of censor his YouTube. He said, um, he's like, mother. <laughs> and so he's like beeping himself, but he's, he's joking around about saying mother effer, which is. Yeah. Like, no, I, I got that. I got that. I, uh, yeah, it's 
the hard thing is, is you don't know what to say or how to, you obviously you want to say, I'm like, Hey, don't say that. Or you can't say that. But then as a kid, you're like, Oh, why, why? That sounds cool. I want to say that now every single time. Like uh, exactly. Yeah. So it's really hard then to figure out how you want to handle it. Like I remember when, um, my eldest Sloan repeated a word that I had said, cause I dropped something. I was carrying in some box. I think it was groceries dropped something is spilled. And I said, Oh, F word. And then four seconds later, as my wife runs out to help, she hears her say, Oh F. And she's like, look at me, I look at her. I'm like, and my first reaction was like, that's definitely my bad. And then I thought to myself, but if we address it with her, she's going to think it's, there's something to that. So anything, right. Like I was like, all right, we're not going to say anything. And then hopefully she never says that again the rest of her life. She's three years old at the time. So, <laughs> and she will at some point. Yes, of course. All right. Great show as always, Brady, always fun to catch up. See you next week. Enjoy the the foot if the football already happened because it happened so early i hope you enjoyed it and if, you, if you're listening in the morning or uh, before lunch enjoy the football see you buddy see you